Yes? Am I on? Yeah. My heart is pounding like right now, but I'm not sure that's about life groups. <laughs> I'm going to need my water close by because I've heard stories about uh, preachers who get attacked by laryngitis like the week leading up to their preach. Um, I didn't get laryngitis, but I had this outburst of ulcers on my tongue, believe it or not. So I've been bathing my tongue in Swedish bitters. So do you know what Swedish bitters are? So it's a little thicker than it is normally. So I'm going to need to take a few swigs on my, my water. If I sound a little, yeah. Mm. I was also intrigued to know what I looked like coming out of a heart. It would be better if it was pink, but how do I look coming out of a heart? Let me this out the way. <laughs> what is the heart for? Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> a few years ago, I, I took on a project um, in my work. Um, it, it involved a lot of traveling, and um, basically the, the directors of this company that I was consulting to had taken their time in, in making a decision around moving an IT system to a new vendor. And um, I was tasked with project managing this, um, this project. And it was almost like an impossible task. Um, they gave us six weeks to do what we should have actually done in six months. It involved rolling out 100 different um, individual PCs to over 100, sorry, 1,000 different PCs to 100 different locations around the country. And in addition to that, we had to change the main system that um, all of these um, employees used for their everyday work. Um, so there was just, it was just an impossible task. And I remember getting to one stage, and I was traveling a lot, and I was hardly sleeping. I was, uh, you know, I was getting up at 3 in the morning to try and get all the work done. And I remember having a conversation with an angry, uh, she was like an owner of one of the, the franchises, um, and she told me that she was going to have my guts as garters. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that was like the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Um, I, I was literally in tears. Um, and I'm not a weepy person um, in that kind of scenario um, normally. And, uh, and, and I remember getting to the end of that day and just thinking, I cannot do another day like this. I honestly don't think that I can go through that again tomorrow. Have you ever had an experience like that? Um, have you ever got to the point where you've just got nothing left to give? Um, maybe you felt like that in your marriage. Maybe uh, in your job or your finances. Maybe it's your health. Or perhaps you've just had a whole lot of issues come at you all at once and, and you just don't feel like you're you, you coping, and, and it's difficult to hold it all together. In the series um, that we're currently in, and we, we're currently in, in week three, um, we're following the story of the Exodus, of Israel, or the Israelites leaving Egypt and heading towards the promised land, and using it as a teaching aid to help us understand aspects of our journey of faith that each of us goes on. This week, we're going to explore what we do when we find ourselves in a place of no water. When we find ourselves in a place where we have nothing left to give in a particular situation, where our situation seems impossible. I expect that most of you have experienced something similar to the story that I, I shared with you earlier. But if you haven't, 
the reality is that there will come a time in your life where you find yourself in a place of no water. So in week one, Bones introduced the series, and um, he helped us recognize that we all have this spiritual Egypt that we need to move away from, and that there is a promised land, not necessarily a physical place or, 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 a, or a destination. Um, there's this promised land that is, that is in store um, for us. Um, and, and that promised land for us, while not a physical place, is, is this existence that falls within God's plan and purpose for our lives. And when we are operating in this promised land, we experience love, peace, joy, and all those good fruits of the Spirit. And, uh, but most importantly, our lives have purpose and meaning. And in this place, you get to enter what is referred to as God's rest, His promised land, and we'll come to that a little later. In week two, Nat um, explained to us that while our escape from Egypt is a gift from God, um, you, know, our, you know, our metaphorical Egypt is a gift from God, we don't have to do anything. It's all been done by Jesus on, on the cross. In, in much the same way that the Israelites didn't do much, um, Jesus, uh, God just worked through Moses, and they got to escape from, from Egypt. Um, entry into our promised land isn't necessarily um, and, and won't be without having to face giants that we spoke about earlier during, during worship and, and that touched on. Um, and, and you might say, well, why free us from Egypt but then make us fight against giants? Why can't you just deliver us in, into this promised land? And the reason for this, as Nat explained, is, is that God doesn't just want us to leave us something behind. He doesn't want us just to be X something, whatever that might be, in your life. He wants us to realize that we are sons and daughters called, chosen, and equipped to take on the giants and extend his kingdom. You know, we get to fight these giants in his strength, but he wants to do it with us, not on our own. But what happens when, after accepting your free gift of salvation, your, your um, escape from, from your metaphorical Egypt, um, and you have this night and day experience, and everything is, is going well, and you start taking these faith steps towards your promised land, and you recognize that you've got some giants, and you start facing your giants, and you just have one setback after another, and things just don't seem to be working out, and it feels like God hasn't showed up. Perhaps you had a God word that you obeyed, sacrificed much, and doing so made some big changes, and everything is just hard. And you find yourself wondering, where is God in, in all of this? We have some friends, as an example, who relocated their entire family to Canada to help support a church plant, and it just didn't go according to plan. It didn't work out. What do you do in these situations? Do we give up? Do you go back to how things used to be? Let's see how the Israelites handled a particular situation when things didn't go according to plan. So we're going to pick up the Exodus story, or the story of them moving towards their promised land, towards the end of their time in the desert, at a place called Meribah. I'm reading from Numbers 20, verse 1 to 5. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh, where Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition in some versions, it refers to it as rebellion to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness 
that we and our livestock should die here. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Now bear in mind, the Israelites had been camping in this desert for close to 40 years. Is there a picture of the desert? Yeah. That's what it looked like. That is a picture of the Sinai Desert. And in, in the first two years, there had been lots of action. You know, there, there had been the plagues. They had escaped parting of the Red Sea. There had been the, the burning mountain. There was lots of action. Um, but then, from the time that the spies went to take a look at the promised land and they came back, scared of all the giants, there had been 38 years of, apart from the, the manna and the cloud, pretty much nothing. Um, you know, and then to make matters worse, they ran out of water. Um, and when I was preparing for this, it reminded me of a story. Um, just this last December, um, I got a call from, from uh, Byron, um, and they'd, they'd rented out their house uh, to some tenants. And um, I won't tell you the first thing he asked me uh, to do, um, but then he said, look, um, th- we've got a problem with our fridge at our house. Would you mind going and just helping? There's some guys fixing an aircon. Would you mind helping them um, bring another fridge that we've got in our garage down um, into the house? So I said, no, no problem at all. Um, it was that day in December, I don't know if you recall, it must have been the hottest day we've had here in about, well, since I can certainly remember. It was scorching. There was no wind. It was so hot. It was incredibly hot. So anyway, I arrive at their house, and there are just people strewn all over the couches, and, and they, you can see they're really taking strain. And, the, and the, the woman says to me, Flip, how do you live in this climate, you know? And, uh, and we got chatting, and, and you know, I sort of smoothed things over. Um, and it turns out that, that um, th- these, uh, these people that were entering the house were actually Jews, but like uh, Paka Jews. And, and this particular day was a fast day for them. It was, it was the 10th day of the last month of the year, and there were three atrocities that happened. In the, uh, that's a funny story on its own, but I'll share that with you in another time. But anyway, the long and the short of it was these poor people, on the hottest day that we've experienced, um, you know, as far back as we can remember, these guys were not allowed to drink water. And their fridge was broken, and their aircon was broken. So I can understand why they gave Byron and Kimber about 30 calls to, to, to moan at them and to grumble about their condition. When you don't have water, things can go south very quickly. You know, my mom always used to joke about how Bobby Sands lasted 40 days with no food, but you won't last, I don't think, more than a day or two without water. So you could hardly blame these Israelites in the desert for being a little bit grumpy, right? You can, you can hardly blame them for wanting to go back to Egypt. The promised land seemed unattainable to them. The desert wasn't at all pleasant, and they were tired of eating the same food day in, day out. You could just imagine them thinking, you know, maybe we were slaves in Egypt, but we're slaves here to God. And yes, he gives us food and covers us with a cloud, but what's the point if I'm going to die in this? So the question is, what do you and I do in times like this, when we find ourselves in a desert with no water? I know what I do. I start to think about a different life or perhaps aspects of a different life. Maybe things will be easier if I was in a different country. You know, maybe if I had more money, things would be a bit easier. And I find myself wanting to go back to old habits or to an old way of life, my, to my Egypt, uh, so to speak. 
And for me, my Egypt is self-sufficiency. For, my, for me, my Egypt is, you know what, don't worry about it. I'll do this thing myself. I don't need you. I, I find myself wanting to take back control of my life. And I'm also very quick to forget about my cloud, which is the presence of the Holy Spirit, and, and my manner, the word and the provision of God, and, other, and, and either fantasize or literally go back to these old ways. In many respects, I'm no different to those Israelites in the desert. And these situations in our lives, these, when the times get tough and you feel like God isn't there with you, they are what you might call a high-stake moment, tests of our faith. Whether we like it or not, and uh, whether these tests come from God or not, it actually doesn't matter. We're going to have stages or times in our life where our faith gets tested. So you might ask, well, why, why is this a high-stake moment? And what exactly is at stake? Well, this particular story from Exodus is referenced as much as 18 times in Scripture. For something to be mentioned that many times suggests to me that it must be an important concept to grasp. One such reference is from Hebrews 3, reading from verse 7. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, Their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. The reference to the Holy Spirit says there is to be found in Psalm 95, verse 8 to 11. And Psalm 95 is, is referring specifically to this incident at Meribah where the Israelites ran out of water. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. This is what the Israelites did at Meribah. In fact, throughout their entire camping expedition in the wilderness, when times got tough, they hardened their hearts and they turned away from God. But irrespective of how hard it was for them, for the Israelites in that desert, and we saw what that desert looked like, and you can appreciate not having any water, in, irrespective of how hard it was, in, in basically every case, the writers of Scripture that mention this incident say something to the effect of, don't do what these guys did in the desert. So let us see how this episode with the Israelites at Meribah ends. Reading, picking up the story again from um, Numbers 20, verse 6. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he, as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. There is an amazing situation here that 
where in, in spite of their grumbling and their rebellion, God still brought water from the rock. At first, I was surprised by this. I'd almost expected God to withhold water as the result of their rebellion, but he didn't. In fact, throughout their time in the wilderness, God continued to come through for them. Time and time again, the Israelites hardened their hearts and turned away from God, dreaming of their past life in Egypt. And yet, around them, God was performing miracles and meeting their, their every need. But there was a consequence to their unbelief. And this is what is warned against in that passage from Hebrews. A whole generation of Israelites, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, were not allowed to enter the promised land. A whole generation of people died in that desert, this barren, dry, hospitable place. And this is the warning for us today as Christians. If we follow the examples of the Israelites, when times are tough and things are not working out and it appears that God is not coming through for us, and we find ourselves in our metaphorical desert, if we harden our hearts and rebel against God, if our doubts turn to unbelief, we too will die in our metaphorical desert that we find ourselves in and never see our promised land. But there is good news for you and I. Reading from Hebrews 4, verse 6. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. <clears throat> for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And you'll remember in the beginning we mentioned rest in that Hebrews verse. Rest in this context is our promised land. It's the promised land. Now, I can't speak for, for all of you, but I personally would like to enter God's rest, God's promised land. And I want to give God opportunities in my life to make water come out of a rock. <clears throat> but the stakes are high when we get into these moments in our lives when we feel that we are in the desert without any water. We don't want to miss the opportunity when our faith is put to the test. So the question is, what can we do to help us at times like this? So the first thing, the first thing is we need to resolve the question, is God good? Does God still bring water from the rock? Is God going to come through for you in your hour of need? Can you trust him wholeheartedly without fear of, of the future? I believe we can. And I believe that God still brings water from the rock. Just look at Melon Maurice. Ten years of trying to fall pregnant. Testicular cancer. Nine failed IVFs. And then last year, boom, water from the rock. You look at the De Beers, who you all know, they re relocated their entire family to help plant this church. Um, they were obedient to a God word about a change of career, and they found themselves in a financial desert. And then miraculously, uh, unfortunate for us, um, but amazing for them, 
at just the right time, a great opportunity in Pretoria that for them was like water from a rock. If you don't have the question of good, God's goodness resolved in your heart, or if you don't remind yourself of God's goodness and the fact that He is good, then when times are tough, you're going to be looking for your exit clause, for your Egypt. You're going to want to take back control of your life. Which brings me to my second point to help us in these situations. We need to kill our version of Egypt. We need to kill dreams and pictures that we have for our life that are not rooted in God's plan for our life. You see, Moses was different to the other Israelites in that he only ever had one option, and that was to follow God's plan for his life. While the others would hanker after a different life when times got tough, Moses was completely focused on God's plan for his life. If we are dreaming about another life that does not form a part of God's plan, we are hankering after our former life or someone else. When times get tough, we're going to want to go there. We're going to want to move towards the picture that is the most clear in our mind. So we have to kill our Egypt, but we also have to build our picture of what God's plan for our lives looks like. Living within God's plan for our lives is our promised land. It's the place where we find rest. It's the place where we are secure and without fear. Living in God's plan for our lives provides hope. And outside of hope, outside of hope in God, you will dream about something else. So the silver bullet, bullet for killing your Egypt is to build your picture and hope of what God's plan for your life is. It's to dream with God about what could be. It's to take every part of your life and to hand it over to God. It's to surrender yourself to God. Um, I want to um, relate a little fishing story. This is for Paul um, specifically. We were recently up in the Kharkloof and I was doing a little bit of fly fishing. And my father-in-law, um, who is not a fisherman, said to me, uh, like, why, why do you fish? Eh? Like, I can't see the point of fishing. And I remember hearing someone say that every cast when you fish is an opportunity for hope. It's an opportunity for hope that you'll catch a fish or a bigger fish. And in many respects, Christianity, if you're living in God's plan, is this continuous opportunity for hope. If we are co-laboring with God, everything you do is an opportunity for hope. Hope for our country. Hope for our, someone's, a friend's salvation. Hope for a breakthrough in your marriage. Hope for water from a rock. Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, the third thing to do um, to help us when we, when we are tested is, is to try not to forget your manner. Not your manners, your manner. The Israelites too, were, were quick to forget their manner and the cloud, the miracles that were happening around them day in, day out, and, uh, and, and want to turn back to their, to their former lives. And I think that oftentimes we do the same in our own context, um, you know, things may seem dire around us, but I think we need to constantly remind us of all the good that is around us, of all the good, that, good work that God is doing in our lives. And no matter how dire your situation may seem, God is still good 
and he continues to provide manna. These moments in our life, when you reach the end of yourself, when you find yourself questioning, when God doesn't seem to be present, these are the moments in our life when God wants to give us rest and when God wants to bring water from a rock. I'm going to ask Nat to come up to close with um, a bit of ministry time. Thank you. Thanks so much. Um, sure, it's such a good message, and, and for many of us, it's, it's not an easy one to hear. And um, I know for myself, personally, um, this week is probably the water from the rock week I've experienced more than any other in my whole life. Um, I'll share that with you one day. Um, but I think for me, the biggest thing about this message is that when we find ourselves in that place... Um, where we really need to get water from a rock, where there's an impossible situation and we just don't know how it's going to happen, that in those moments we are able to fully and completely say that God is good. No matter what it is we're facing, His goodness does not change. So even when, when things looked utterly intolerable in the desert, there was still manna coming every single day. There are still blessings for us each and every day. Um, I, just, I just think of Bex. I know that Bex has, Bex and Trig, I'm, I'm saying it for both of you because you're one and you're in everything together. With their struggle, I know that they have never questioned God's goodness, that God is good no matter what is happening. And very often we don't understand it. We look at something and we can't see quite how it lines up with what we know of God and his promises and his victory, but he is good. And he sees the end from the beginning. I know that um, it's quite a, a frightful thing to hear that a whole generation actually died in the desert, that there were a whole lot of Israelites who never got to their promised land. And um, to me, this is just really us recognizing this fact that the promised land is just that place of utter trust in God and that place of partnering with Him and understanding that Life was never meant just to survive. We were never meant to just be saved and then survive. There's a promised land, which is a place of thriving. It's a place where we come fully alive. And that's what this is about today. It's a place of trusting God and stepping into the place of being fully alive, where we partner with him for his plans and purposes in this world. There's nothing more we need to do to earn his love. There's nothing more we need to do to earn his salvation. That that we have just from leaving Egypt. But we can just survive or we can trust him and thrive. We can trust him to step into something that is utterly incredible. And it won't always be easy, but it's, that's what he has for us. Um, the rest comes in just trusting in him. And if I can just share this one final parting thought before we're actually going to go into a time of, of just filling out something just to have a moment of introspection and a moment of really pinning down what that thing is that we're trusting to get from, from the rock. Um, so often, as, as humans, we just look for our answers in who's around us, what's around us, what resources are around us. 
And we actually have to move to a place of, of seeing with the unseen. And um, there, was, there was something that was shared with me a few months back, um, uh, a vision that um, a very dear lady had had of me climbing this ladder, okay? And um, I was climbing and climbing and climbing, and then in this vision that she had, I stopped climbing. And, um, and God said, Nat, why have you stopped climbing? And I said, well, because there are no more rungs on this ladder. And he said, there are rungs on the ladder. You just can't see them. You've been climbing through what you can see, through the things that are around you that are seen, through people that you're putting your hope in, through yourself that you're putting your hope in. And I need you to start climbing where you can't see and putting your faith and trust in me. So what we're going to do in a moment now is, Candy, please, if you don't mind, um, um, you and the team just handing out, we, we have these cards that are... Babes, if you wouldn't mind, maybe you and Evangs can just come up and, and just play just quietly just to facilitate a moment for us with God. Um, Ivanka has left the building, so you can just come. <laughs> you know, this, this card um, at the top, it says, Previously I was. And that is really a reference to your Egypt. Okay? For your Egypt in a situation, a scenario... What is the previously I was? And then there's the but God. What did he say? What did he show you? What did he whisper to you? What was that still quiet voice? Or that dream that he popped into your, your mind, your heart? What, what is the thing that he required you to trust in him for? What is the, the place that you were in that had you kind of wanting to go back to Egypt for the thing that is seen, the thing that, that is easier because it's concrete? And for some of you, you can fill in the end now. You've already seen that victory. You've already seen that place. You've already seen the promise of that promised land. And won't you write that down? And for some of you, your end now is, but God, this is what I'm trusting you for. We want to give room for both of those. Because regardless of whether you've already got your end now, or whether you're still waiting for your end now, we know that God is good, that He has what we need for each and every day that he does the impossible. We can strike a rock and water will come out when we need it.
I'm going to give you another minute or two, but I just want to say that these um, cards, if you feel comfortable, we'd love you to leave them on the back on the table um, because these are the kind of things that when we get to see and share as a community, they, they're like building blocks. They're like foundations. They're like, look, look where this person was and look what God did and look at now what this picture looks like. And um, as a community, it's awesome for us to have these things to celebrate. And um, it's optional too, if you'd like to, put your name on the back. Um, that is completely up to you. You know, for some of you, this might be something you'd rather be more anonymous about. But if you'd like to, please put your name on the back. And if you'd like somebody to get in touch with you, won't you indicate that too? So, Father, we just, we just thank you today, God, that you are a moving God. You're a, a kind and good Father, that you take us out of Egypt and you do not ever want us to go back to our Egypt. And we also know that in your grace, when we do, that you will rescue us again. And Father, today, whatever we face, whatever it is, whether it's a marriage, hope for a baby, whether it's healing, whether it's provision, whether it's a job, whether it's a relational issue, we, we're just trusting for water from the rock for a situation that seems impossible. God, we know that our hope is in trusting in you. And we know, God, that you did not save us just for us to survive in the desert, but for us to thrive in the promised land, in that place where we partner with your Holy Spirit and do things that we could never have imagined, that we experience triumphs and victories that we could never have imagined. We thank you, God. Now, I ask you, please, we're just going to stand up. I've asked the guys if we can just sing that song again. I'd like, I'd like you, um, the victory is, is yours. I'd like you to sing it like you mean it, from the absolute pit of your belly. Why don't you just sing the song in faith with us? And after that, you can go out and have some manna with a bacon roll. Thank you for being with us. <laughs> 